Mamaji, you talked about in the last program the negative effects on the body and the consciousness of rock and roll or heavy metal music. Can you discuss that a little? Yes, in fact, I made a mistake when I talked of rock and roll. I meant heavy metal as having a deleterious effect, but rock and roll does too. It's very interesting to see the evolution of uh, popular music because popular music expresses the general consciousness of people. And in the 18th century, it was sort of the minuet, very logical and somewhat controlled. Then came the waltz, and they used to decry the indecency of the waltz, people touching each other, unthinkable. But it was a, still, it had a certain grace to it. And then when you came up into about 1915, the nerves began to get jagged. And then came in the swing music. And that's what I grew up with. And I used to mock it because it was so ridiculous. But it was very heavy ego. And then they came into boogie-woogie. And always uh, it, oh, it kept going deeper and deeper in the, in the spine, farther and farther down in the spine. I, uh, that's why I think that the world has been evolving in a very bad way recently. I think it's due to its confusion. It doesn't know where to turn. It's understood that energy is more real than uh, uh, physical matter. And with that, there's come a, a revolution in values. And you see in the arts, there's no meaning in anything. And in, in all of the types of music, there, in this confusion, there's a tendency to um, sort of go down, unfortunately. You know, somebody has asked me, uh, well, I felt a thrill when I listened to heavy rock, heavy metal music. Yes, maybe, but it's also thrilling to scratch a mosquito bite. There's pain in it and there's uh, pleasure too, otherwise you wouldn't scratch it. So with delusion, with the, uh, with the wrong aspect of delusion, those things that take you deeper into delusion, like anger, revenge, hatred, there's a pleasure in them too. It feels good when you get even with your enemy, that's what people think. And uh, so there's a certain pleasure even in darkness but it's not going to take you to what you really want in your soul. That kind of pain, that kind of pleasure always has, is followed by pain. The story of, I think it was Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises, where people at parties and they, in the morning, next morning they're alone and there's a down feeling. After the excitement, a down. For every up, there will follow a down with like a swing. When you go this way, you have to go this way. And what we must do is try to push and pull in opposite directions so the string, the swing stops moving. And people who are into outward consciousness will say, well, then where's the fun? But the truth is that inside yourself is all the happiness you'll ever know. When you see a beautiful sunset, it isn't the sun that makes you excited, it's your reaction to the sunset. Everything that you like in this world depends first on you. 
Nothing is good or bad except that your own reaction. Circumstances are, are neutral, but how we react to them determines whether they're good or bad, helpful or unhelpful. So all the, all the happiness that we're looking for, we never get from an ice cream cone or a beautiful romance or a great uh, windfall in the stock market. That only stimulates something inside. But if you can learn to get rid of that outward need, you discover that all that you've ever been seeking has been always inside yourself. This is the message of the saints down through the ages. All of them have said the same thing. And another thing that's very important to keep in mind is that nobody who has ever found God has said, what a scam. They've always said, every one of them, this is what I have been looking for all my many incarnations. Swami, um, many incarnations brings the question of reincarnation. What is that process? Why does Reincarnation that comes because when you've finished your physical body, you haven't finished all your desires. As long as you have desires, you've got to, re, re, you've got to return. You see, desire directs energy. When you desire a car, for example, then your energy is going out to that car. And uh, you, as long as the energy is going out towards something physical, you're going to have to have a body to experience it. I know that when I first heard of reincarnation, I thought it meant being born after a human life as a worm or a spider. Or, I thought that doesn't make any sense at all. And I remember having an argument with my brother on that point because he was playing with the thought of reincarnation. But then when I came to understand what it really is, I saw that it makes perfect sense and much better sense than thinking just one incarnation. Look at any crowd of people on the streets. Every one of them manifests a different state of consciousness. DNA molecules couldn't account for it. They may give you your blue eyes, but they will not give you that sight which sees goodness or badness, which makes you prone to want to find kindness or unkindness. Some people are born dark. Yogananda, my teacher, picked up a little baby once and almost dropped it. He saw that it was a murderer from its last life. And that little innocent baby was not so innocent. Babies are born blind because of something that they've done in the past, or lame, or inclined toward having stomach troubles, or whatever it might be. You carry with you who you were before. So whatever you die with and as, you would just come back and start all over again. It's true you won't remember, and that's a good thing not to remember. If you've been a murderer, you may think, well, I am a murderer. To get rid of that hypnosis and have a chance to start all over is a good thing. We need, as you know, even at the age of 20, I've seen some psychological antiques. <laughs> well, as I always say, we have, by the time people reach the age of 40, most of them are ossified. You couldn't change with a sledgehammer. And so what we need to do is <clears throat> start all over again with a new chance. The most important time in life, in a sense,
is the first six, seven years. But the way you bring a child up is very important. As the twig inclines, so does the tree grow. And so um, I've started a education for life uh, schools, and some of them are uh, over 40 years old. And they've proved themselves. They're a good system. But the main thing they do is concentrate on making people better people, not just shoveling knowledge into their heads. Anyway, with reincarnation, it's a process where we learn. You discover this isn't good, this didn't work, maybe I'll try this one. Maybe this kind of uh, search for happiness didn't work, maybe therefore let me try this. After many lifetimes, and it takes many lifetimes, everybody finally discovers what does work. It's like a story of in boot camp, a soldier, a private was picking up papers off the ground and saying, oh, this isn't it, this isn't it. And they finally recommended they see the camp psychiatrist and he went to the psychiatrist's office and was picking up paper and this isn't it from the desk, this isn't it. Finally, the psychiatrist couldn't get him to say anything except that. Finally, he recommended him for medical discharge. And when he got his discharge, he saw it, he said, this is it. <laughs> well, in fact, that's what happens, that you reject in India, they say, neti, neti, not this, not that. You reject one thing after another, and finally you reach the point where you discover what really is it. And that it that people are looking for is no farther away than themselves. They don't have to cross the a country or go to other countries or around the world. It's right here in themselves. This is why Yogananda used to say seclusion is the price of greatness. So when you can get away from other people's opinions, get away from the influence of other people's thoughts and the um, superficial exchanges that happen when you're with people, it's a good thing every year to have at least a week, two weeks better, to be completely by yourself, absolute silence. Don't say a word to anyone. If you have to, write it. And spend a lot of time meditating and talking to God. But the important thing is to get back to your own self, your own integrity. You can't have integrity until you know who you are and who you are finally, is not even the ego, it's the soul. The interesting thing is that when you find God, God created everything. Therefore, do you become just sort of a meaningless blob? <laughs> do you just lose all personality, all individuality, just uh, you become him? No. This is the interesting thing. As Yogananda said in his uh, autobiography of a yogi, every atom is dowered with individuality. There is a certain you that is always you. You may go through the same incarnations as other people, for example, as a pirate. Everybody may be a pirate at one time, but you will be your own particular type of pirate. You'll have your own particular attitude, and uh, you'll do everything in a, some special way that will be uniquely yours, so that this is the fact that people discover when they find, when they get out of the ego, they become unique. 
They don't, most people are imitations of their environment, their culture, their times. But when they become saints, they become themselves. When you find your higher self, you will discover that nobody will ever, ever, there was a song, there will never, never, ever be another you. This is a true saying in the spiritual sense, that you in all eternity, there will never have been anybody except you who will be just like you. And that bliss, the wonderful thing about divine bliss is that it's ever new, and it's ever new in you. No one will express it exactly the same as you do. Each one has his own unique, is his own unique expression of divine bliss, even when he finds God. So your freedom in him will be a freedom for to be individual too in a divine way forever.